0: Greetings, everyone. You are listening to the Trinity Falls podcast. This is Matt. And today we have something very special for you. Uh, When we first started doing the podcast, I really wanted to spend time sharing stories of people who are members and active in the congregation here. Uh, Because as a pastor, I get to hear all kinds of stories and uh, stories you wouldn't believe. And every now and then I feel like that story just needs to be shared with everyone and preserved. So a few months ago, I went out to breakfast with Cal Buck, and he told me some amazing stories about his time in the Korean War. And I know very little about the Korean War, so it was, a, it was really good for me to hear about what it felt like for him to be drafted, uh, to go through basic training, to take a 15-day boat ride to Korea and to see active combat, all, all the feelings and emotions that came with that. So in this episode, I get to interview Cal, and he's going to tell us what that was like, and uh, this episode is special to me because it sounds to me, it reminds me a lot of when I was a little kid, we'd go to my grandparents' house, and my grandpa would tell stories of being a little kid and growing up, and I love those stories, and now both my grandpas are passed away, and so now here at Trinity I have lots of grandpas who I get to hear stories from, so I hope you can put yourself in the shoes of of a youngster and hear Cal as he shares his uh, amazing story of his life. And also as you listen, uh, I hope you hear his, his passion for young people and his desires and hopes for the future and also his trust in God. So enjoy this episode. Uh, we'll talk soon. Peace. Okay, so Cal, um, before we get into your story, you, we, we grew up on, I grew up on the same block as you had a house on. Right, yeah. on, right on Forty Fourth. Well, I was on the Forty Fourth Avenue side, and you were on. The I was
1: on the Forty Fifth Avenue side. Yeah.
0: So I I must have ridden my bike past your house <clears throat> ten thousand times.
1: Yeah, I would imagine so.
0: Because we we would ride our bikes, and every time we rode around the every time we rode around the block five times, we we knew that was a mile.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah, you're right. Because I, I I would walk X amount of miles, and then I know how much I, I started walking about that time when we were living there.
0: Yeah. And so we would we would say, well, how many miles did we go today? Sometimes we'd ride ten miles just going around the block. Yeah. But uh,
1: that 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 is where where we kind of reared our family. I was not born and raised in that neighborhood. Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in a, a little near a little town, Goodhue, Minnesota, on a farm. Okay. It, roughly between Red Wing and uh, and Goodhue, or or to make it between two bigger towns between Red Wing and Rochester. Mm-hmm. But it was in a spot in the center of Goodyear County.
0: And I forget, what kind of farm was it?
1: That was a dairy farm. And then we had different types of grain, like oats, mm-hmm. wheat, barley, corn, soybeans. Mm-hmm. Just kind <clears> of, <throat> in those days, we didn't sell a lot. Most of it went right back into the cattle. Mm-hmm. We raised hogs. That was Dad's uh, chief income, besides dairy. Okay. Dad says that that's what kind of paid for the farm, the Uh hogs. And Uh, how many
0: brothers and sisters did you do you have?
1: I had uh, two brothers and two sisters. I was in I was in the middle. Okay. I was the third one, and I was born Breach, on a family farm, in 1928, uh, and a lot of them today say, "How'd you ever survive coming Breach, when everything was so crude in those days?" Uh Well, I kind of little but I said God wanted me. That's why. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Who delivered you?
1: It was a, It was either a combination of a, a doctor and a midwife. Okay. I know we got to be real good friends of this midwife. Mm-hmm. fact is, we, we used to go visit her family after maybe for a period of 10, 15 years. So we mm-hmm. got to know her family then, too. Mm-hmm.
0: And so your wife, Jeanette, did you meet her down in Goodhue?
1: Yeah. Well, actually... Uh, we were about 20 miles apart. She grew, she was born and raised in a farm near Lowtown, which is close to Rochester. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you come from a farming community, you get to kind of know everybody mm-hmm. in a little bit. So I knew of her before, mm-hmm. but I met her because we like to uh, do ballroom ballroom dancing, both of us. Mm-hmm. So actually, that's, that's where I met her.
0: Okay, so you met her at a dance. Yeah. And... At how long did you date or did you get married pretty quick after that yeah, or?
1: We, we we didn't date very long I suppose we dated for about eight nine months ten at the very most and uh I think we kind of knew it at, at first sight mm-hmm. yeah for yeah. those situations
0: yeah I've heard that before yeah that's neat <laughs> and then did did you both graduate high school uh, yeah
1: I was uh, I'm a little older than her she graduated I graduated in 1945, and she graduated in 1949. Mm-hmm. And she graduated graduated from Zeppa, I graduated from Goodyear.
0: Okay. Yeah. And then, in what year did you get married, or did you go off to college, either of you?
1: Uh, I uh, I went to school after I came back from the service. Okay. But at that time, no, we did not.
0: Okay. So, um, okay. So, what year did you get married? In
1: 1950.
0: 1950. And then, what happened shortly after you guys got married?
1: Oh, in those <laughs> days, you you did prepad when you would have children. Uh huh. So the thing was, uh, we we uh, before I went overseas, uh, we found out that Jeanette was pregnant. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the smartest thing in the world to do, especially when you're going overseas. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was a, quite a responsibility for my wife Jeanette. She she actually reared a, a Kathy for the first eight. Eight months. I, she was about eight months old when I got home. Okay. Which was uh, quite a quite quite undertaking for her, mm-hmm. being a young young mother. Yeah. But it worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and so when... Okay, so you talked about going to the service. Did you uh, join the service or were you drafted? I, I
1: was drafted. Okay. Uh, my age was such that uh, I became eligible for a draft in 1946. But being that the first, the Second World War was over, mm-hmm. uh, I got deferred. My brother was in, and I was on the farm. And then when uh, the war broke out 1950 in Korea, I was very ripe, so I was one of the first ones to go from okay. our neighborhood.
0: Now, did they send you a letter? Or yes, a-
1: they sent me a letter. I was what they call 1A.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And 1A means that you were eligible to be drafted. Okay. And you were at least 18. Mm-hmm. In my particular case, by then I was 22.
0: hmm and how did you feel when you got that letter?
1: Well, I think I knew it was coming, because mm-hmm. I knew that war had broke out in June of 1950, and I, didn't, I knew it was going to happen, because mm-hmm. of my age, and uh, the draft was very active then, and a few of my friends that were a little bit older than I had got their notice, so mm-hmm. I knew it was just a uh, time.
0: Mm-hmm. And so you get, you get the letter. How did Jeanette react? How was she feeling about it?
1: Well, I think that it 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 served two purposes. Actually, uh, we had kind of talked about getting married uh, before, uh, but uh, or I should say, oh, excuse me, we was going to wait and get married maybe say the following year. Mm-hmm. But being that this came along, we thought, why not? So I guess we just decided, let's go for it.
0: Mm-hmm. So you, so the draft kind of bumped up the wedding. I, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: I think so, yes.
0: And then also bumped up the baby. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And then, so what was the process from, okay, you get the draft letter. Where did you do, did you do basic training?
1: Yes. uh, uh, We got married in October, and in November, uh, I got drafted officially Mm going into service via Red Wing, Minneapolis, and then down to Kansas where I took my basic training.
0: Mm-hmm. Did Jeanette come down there with you? She
1: she 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 was not allowed there mm-hmm. until uh, uh, after Christmas. I had uh, I had about three or four weeks in, and the goodness of their heart, believe it or not, they even sent me home for a, a, about a week or two for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So that was very unusual. I don't mm-hmm. know if they felt sorry for us or what, but they did it, and. Uh, and then then I said, well, why don't you come along with me? I think we can figure something out. Mm-hmm. So she came along home with me. I mean, uh, not home with me. Down she to came Kansas. Down to Kansas in Fort Raleigh. and we found a little room, one room, in the town of Manhattan, Kansas, which was close to the base. Mm-hmm. So I was fortunate enough. If I could get off weekends, I'd see her maybe once a week for a day or so. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And and that's the way it went. So basic train was over, and then I got my notice that. I would be going to Korea rather than, and I had either fourteen or sixteen weeks of bases. Some people say fourteen weeks, some people say sixteen weeks. I I'll be honest with you, I don't know which it was, mm-hmm. but but it seemed to all it was a long time. We had a lots of lots of different training.
0: Yeah, did you did you like basic training?
1: I I never minded much mm-hmm. because I was fortunate enough to be in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. I had been working very hard. With, I had what they call a dray line. And loading box loads of coal and, and lumber, so work and, and walking didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Some some of them, I call them the city slickers. We <laughs> were in the shape that we farm boys were. Yeah. They had a rough time of it, but all in all, it was pretty good. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I didn't like I didn't like some of the the way that some of the sergeant would handle us, but you, you soon learned to live with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you make friends in uh, basic training?
1: Yes, uh, I I, ha- I had a few. Fact is. Uh, one of them through, actually kind of through my wife, I guess, because he brought his wife down there. We're still friends. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the uh, same age I am. In fact, is we, we call each other and, and email once in a while, still to this day. So, mm-hmm. uh, yes. Uh, and I, I, I think uh, the fir- first day that I was in the service down in Kansas kind of set, set everybody straight. They got us up at 4 o'clock in the morning and line us up by the chow hall with no lights on in the chow hall. Mm-hmm. And so about 7 o'clock, after it stood up about two or three hours, they put the lights on and said, well, you can come in and eat now, letting us know that they were in charge, we weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think from then on, I thought, well, I know who's in charge here. If I behave myself, maybe I'll get along well. Oh, man.
0: That sounds horrible.
1: Yeah. But I, that's the truth.
0: Yeah. I
1: thought, what are we standing here for?
0: <laughs> They're proving a point, I guess. Yeah. yeah, What uh So you did the 14 or 16 weeks, uh, and then what happened? Did you did you go back home after that,
1: or did you go right? We, we got. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> we had we had a uh, a furlough. I don't remember how many days it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm guessing around two weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't know for sure. And uh then I knew I had to report to Seattle, Washington, which was uh the route of of going overseas and uh and that was in the days when it was still fun to fly, mm-hmm. although it was not fun for me. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can go right out I guess they call it a carmac or what they call that where you didn't have the you could go right out where the plane landed sure. and walk up into mm-hmm. the plane. And I can remember uh leaving the, leaving the airport and Jeanette was standing there crying mm-hmm. and I was crying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a kind of a, a very, very lonesome feeling. Mm-hmm. And we flew out to DC, I mean out to Washington, the state of Washington, Seattle. And uh there they went uh did a bunch of processing like they do, they check you out and say, Okay this and okay that and then they send you out in a ship. Mhm. And uh, would you like to me give you a little resume of the ship
0: yeah yeah I remember you told me it sounded sounded terrible
1: <laughs> well you know when, when you've never been in a situation like that everything seems so 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 different mm-hmm. and uh, this is what they call a troop ship it was a it was a, 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 a oh goodness it was a anyway, it was a large ship and uh, uh, in those days why they would they would sleep you four bunks, and I was told by somebody that had been on a troop ship before that you best go to the top one in case someone gets sick during the night or sometime and would most of that stuff would land on you. So,
0: so they just lean over and throw up
1: from yeah, being seasick. Yeah, seasick is right. How many guys are on the ship total? I I am only guessing, and I I wouldn't want to uh, lie. I I would say in a thousand somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. It was a huge ship, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, most of them most of them seemed to wait just until you would go down the what the galley or something down the stair steps, and just before you were going to get your breakfast, that seems to me is when everyone wanted to throw up. And, <laughs> and they used to have this barrel here. Oh my goodness! <laughs> On the way in to eat yeah, food. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, it, it was it was it was a grown up period. Like I tell somebody, I said, you know, I really grew up. I thought I had grown up before, but I, I wasn't, Mm -hmm. it, it, it it separated the men from the boys. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's just the way it is, but it was, it was a, it was a, but you know, they had good food and luck was, God was with me, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I I never got sick. I Mm. never got sick coming or going. Mm -hmm. And... And I really had have much to do. I don't know if for some reason or other they didn't give me any extra duty either. I would have actually liked to have done something rather than sit there and twiddle my thumbs all mm-hmm. the way over. So How
0: long did it take to get over?
1: 15 days.
0: 15 days on that boat.
1: Yeah. Oh. And then we landed in the Oklahoma, and then we reprocessed again mm-hmm. to make sure that who you were and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And they always would check everything you had, and I don't know why, because I don't know where I could get anything or or steal anything or or whatever. But they must have been looking for something. But anyway, mm-hmm. and then the the fascinating thing was that when after we got to Oklahoma, and and, uh, and then uh, they sent us on a train, and mm-hmm. this was kind of a unique train that had in Japan in those days the tracks were narrower than they were in the states mm-hmm. you know, for some reason, I suppose. I just don't know why. But it was a fast-moving train. But what impressed me was these little Japanese kids would be alongside the railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. And then we we didn't have much money, but we had a few coins. We flipped the coins out to mm-hmm. them, and that really impressed them. They would cool go running uh-huh. for these coins. And, yeah. and Then we went down to Sasebo, uh, which is, I think, the city in the southern part of Japan. And then we... Uh, Had to go through reprocessing again, and then we got on a Japanese ship, Mm -hmm. which in a Japanese ship didn't have any chairs on it, of course. Mm -hmm. So then you sat on the floor and crossed your legs like they did. Well, no, was young enough then, it didn't bother, but it was about an eight or ten hour ride across from there. And then we landed in, I think, I think, Pusan or close to it, someplace in in Korea. And then uh, they gave us about a week or ten days of. Quite strenuous training to mm-hmm. get us ready to go up front.
0: What kind of training was that?
1: Uh, mostly uh, uh, what you would do, in a, it was just a, a re, going over our basic mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. with uh, rifles. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they were getting us <clears throat> in shape. We'd crawl up hills and mm-hmm. stuff like that mm-hmm. and run. And, and, uh, and uh, one of the things I can tell you that maybe they were getting us in shape for, this was I think April. It was still pretty chilly there, although Southern Korea wasn't as cold as Northern Korea, mm-hmm. and so they just threw, threw us a blanket, here's your here's your bed for the night, you know, and it was pretty chilly, and if you don't think you want to love up a guy, well, you would because we were sleeping so close together that our heat, <laughs> heat from his body would help me a little bit, my heat would help him a little bit, so... That was one mm-hmm. of the big, of the first experiences I won't forget.
0: You, you were laying on the ground.
1: <laughs> you was laying outside.
0: The, yeah, with a blanket. Well,
1: yeah, and everyone
0: hovered together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You had to do what you had to do. <laughs> yeah, do
1: what you had yeah. to do. And then I think the thing that I'll never forget, and maybe I told you this when when we had a breakfast, was uh, when we clean off our mess into a into a, some kind of a garbage can. The the food that we had left over from our there would be some women with, with their little babies uh, tied to them, and they would be taking this out of there with their hands and putting it into their container and with a big smile on their face. Now they had food for their family, but it was just scrapings that we had on our plate.
0: So what were the, were the scraping like? What were you eating?
1: Well, was like it? any a typical meal, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Oh, a, tip, a typical hour, army meal where you may have a little gravy left over mm-hmm. or you may have a little corn of a, a piece of meat left over mm-hmm. or at breakfast whatever they were serving you may have a little leg left or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Then you'd you clean your mess cabinet, sweet up and then you go over and dump it over here and you need more shit, see?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the and then the women would take it out and
1: yeah. and then eat it. Yeah. Well they'd take it over their it family. Home. Yeah. Oh they were they were happy. They had big smiles on their face.
0: Uh-huh. How did how did that make you feel when you saw that?
1: Well, did you that, feel bad that, for them or Oh, I certainly did. I yeah. I had a very very soft spot for them. I thought, you know, that's maybe maybe some of us here in the United States, I don't mean myself personally, mm-hmm. but some people that uh, don't realize how great a nation we have mm-hmm. uh, should see some of this and they think there's poverty here mm-hmm. and of course that's not true anymore they, mm-hmm. they've snapped out their poverty but mm-hmm. there was real poverty when I was there mm-hmm. yeah. Wow
0: so for about 15 days you're getting more training and then you know, what, what did you in that time did you meet more friends you know did you did you travel as a company or as a... I don't understand how, how they group you up.
1: Okay. Uh, as, as far as friends, mm-hmm. you, you become you come a, become a friend because you are common now to one another. Mm-hmm. You're, you're in a situation where uh, it isn't like meeting someone on the street here. Mm-hmm. You know you have something in common. Mm-hmm. And you're the common basis here. You know where you're going to go, mm-hmm. okay? And I'm not talking about heaven right now. Mm-hmm. Although I hope we all do to get mm-hmm. there. I'm talking about we knew we were going to go up front, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it was just a matter of us preparing ourselves, to get ready. What does it
0: mean to go up front?
1: Well, because we were we were behind the main line, which was where the fighting was. Mm-hmm. At that particular time, we was maybe about 100 miles from the front line. Mm-hmm. And we were just training and preparing ourselves to go up to the front mm-hmm. and uh, and and fight the enemy. Basically, what it means. Wow. And there's there's one thing that I've always kicked myself for. Uh, this um, one man I met. Fact is, that's the same guy that I put my arm around. He put his arm around me. Uh, they had a little chapel before they went up there, and in the Lutheran faith at that time to. Go forward was completely unheard of, mm-hmm. and and so he asked me to go forward. I, I didn't.
0: Kind of like a like an altar call,
1: yes. type thing. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I was not familiar mm-hmm. with an altar call. I thought mm-hmm. this. I thought this guy was maybe a little different, mm-hmm. but I found out that wasn't true. Yeah, because uh, indirectly, I've been to a couple altar calls now since, mm-hmm. and so uh, uh, I, I've always thought about that. Why didn't I go? Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess it was maybe being stubborn and, and, and what you had been taught and I wouldn't say being taught it just you, you didn't look you didn't look at that as something that mm-hmm. was maybe necessary. Mm-hmm. And if I had to do it again, I certainly would have.
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah. So there was a so that was before you were sent out.
1: Yeah, was about maybe the night before. That's what they do. They do that a lot. I shouldn't say a lot. But it's typical, if they know you're going to go into battle, mm-hmm. they allow you to do that. Yep. If, if, if the, if the facility is such that you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So a time to connect with God. Right. Confess sins. Yeah. Wow. And then, so t- can we talk about when you went off into the front lines? Sure. What uh, was that? How did that come about and what was that like?
1: Well, I show you, I have this incident I was telling you about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I don't know if it was one morning or one afternoon. Uh, they, they gave they came with what they call a deuce and a half. You know, a deuce and a half is a, a large open truck that uh, we use in the service mm-hmm. to call people around. Mm-hmm. And they just got us in the back of us. And, and I have absolutely no idea where we're going. Mm-hmm. But get on the truck mm-hmm. with your backpack, take a bedroll, put it around your back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if I remember right, maybe a blanket inside there. I don't remember everything. A mess gear and your water jug on your side here and a, a rifle, and then you took off, and and then they dumped us off. When I say dump, physically they do because you, you're you just like cattle now almost. Yeah. So you go up to the front there, and then uh, we were replacements, and the, we were replacements to a company, Charlie Company, C Company, of the 5th Regimental Combat Team, Mm -hmm. and so uh, they were quite happy to see us because they had just been through a battle, and God was with me. I'm sure that if I'd been up there a few days sooner, maybe I wouldn't be here today. Mm -hmm. So uh, we we were replacements for people that had got wounded or maybe killed, and uh, they had a rotation basis there. If you were online for a year, you'd get rotated. Mm-hmm. So whatever the situation was, we came in and took us other people's places.
0: Mm-hmm. Were, you, were you scared?
1: I don't want to use the word scared. Mm-hmm. I would rather say there was a, a fear. Sure, okay. Uh, I, I don't know if... I like to separate the word scared from mm-hmm. fear. Uh, yes, I had many fears. Mm-hmm. Uh, right then... Maybe not so much because it was daytime. They left us off in the daytime, mm-hmm. so we kind of we kind of felt secure when we see the guys there. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it, they were in reserve at that time. They weren't right at the mm-hmm. at the front line.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, you, when you get there, uh, who do you report to, and when when did you learn about your missions and what you'd be doing?
1: Uh, I I have a little vague answer to who mm-hmm. I reported to, but. I think what happened was there are there's your rifle squads, there's your machine gunners, there's your uh, Browning automatic or BARS, and then there's your weapons, your your mortars and your 57 requires rifles, and uh, I got put and and maybe lucky I got put in the in the mortars. That mm-hmm. is the mortars, not the heavy mortars, but the mortars that are part of of the uh, rifle company mm-hmm. so in other words you have a rifle company then then behind the rifle company you have your light mortars and your 57 requires rifle mm-hmm. and uh
0: and how big be, are those uh
1: the the mortar the mortars that you have with a rifle company in those days mm-hmm. are quite small
0: mm-hmm.
1: they're maybe about that long they maybe fire up to about 100 200 yards are very accurate so and, they're about
0: uh, two inches long
1: oh no or- oh no oh no Oh, I okay. So like a foot long, Uh and they have powder at the end, and at the end they have the warhead. Okay, and then when they explode, the warhead goes out. See? Okay, okay. So it's just—I suppose I never took one apart, Mm -hmm. but I think it's maybe just the way everything was designed. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, then uh, being I was a recruit, remember I came over there with a raw recruit,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and. uh, they gave me four or five ammo bear ammo rounds, and so I put them on my back. Mm-hmm. So my first experience was climbing up this hill with them with carrying ammo on my back in case they needed it. How much do they weigh? Uh, I'm only guessing. I imagine my pack was about 20, 25 pounds, mm-hmm. plus a bedroll, plus mm-hmm. other things you have with you, you know. Mm-hmm. So you're maybe carrying 30 to 40 pounds. I don't know for sure. Uh... Being then, I was in excellent shape then, mm-hmm. but not on that first hill. Yeah, that, that was that was something like I want to say thousand meters, which is is quite high, mm-hmm. and it doesn't just go straight up. It went up and then down and mm-hmm. up and mm-hmm. up. And we got up there then, and really there wasn't that much to do. Was maybe just kind of helping out uh, a, a group that had uh, captured a, a bunch of North Koreans or or. Uh, Chinese, I don't know which they were. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of took them back. And on the way back, uh, an old rough sergeant grabbed me and he said, come on with me. He said, let's get that building down there. I said, well, okay. Went there and all we did was we knocked the door down and went in there and there was just a a woman with a sick child. It was kind of almost embarrassing that we knocked the door down, but I suppose it was just in case was somebody mm-hmm. that would be shooting us. Mm-hmm. So. We just left her go, but it was a it was a it was a very rude awakening for one of the first, <laughs> if you want to call it, combat experience that I had. But to see this, to see this little child laying there, it was sick. I'm sure you yeah. know. And so we just we just walked back out and left her going. then we kind of escorted some of the the uh, um, the uh, uh, persons of war to the rear, and then we came back down, and and then. Uh, we're back into core reserve for a while. And mm-hmm. then uh, I, I can't remember just what happened after that for a little bit. So mm-hmm. just if you keep asking questions, maybe I, okay. some of that comes... What back.
0: is core reserve? Is that so you would go back and forth what? between the... Fr- no,
1: core reserve, all that means is that part of this division is in reserve, and they call it core reserve. I suppose core mean several battalions, mm-hmm. yeah, something like that.
0: Okay. Wow. And so about how how long were you, I guess, in active combat?
1: Um, most people, I think maybe in other wars, they would come and go more. So what we would do is we usually we would attempt to take a hill, then pull back and wait. Attempt to take a hill and, and then wait.
0: And so there would be enemies on the other side of the hill. Right. And you would... Push them back, go back, push back.
1: Yeah, and let them know that we were there, that...
0: And then you're on the way. If
1: they came to us, we mm-hmm. were ready for them. Mm-hmm. It, it was kind of a... That, that being that you compare that war, say, like a World War Two, where we had so many different countries. Mm-hmm. This was in this one little country. Mm-hmm. And plus the fact that... Uh, before I got there the winter was the one the winter before I got there in the spring of fifty one, that winter of nineteen fifty was just when they it was such a slaughter. I mean mm-hmm. they just slaughter. Well the slaughter part was over. They were still killing people mm-hmm. and it was very dangerous, but the slaughter part was over. Mm-hmm. So our main our main object was to go out and probe and find out where the enemy was, and if they day did come, we were ready for him. Mm-hmm. And also, we were we would take certain hills. Okay, mm-hmm. that was assignment that we were. Uh, that so what wh- where I'm at right now? Uh, was one of my first adventures. And then mm-hmm. the next adventure was, uh, if I can remember it chronologically, is that uh, we were we were going to take. We were going to position to take over for a group that had been up there mm-hmm. quite some time, and this was a large hill. We went up this large hill here, and whenever you would walk over there, whenever you would walk, you better stay in the formation or on the track because usually there was somehow they would they would put the, uh, the either the enemy or we ourselves would put traps there that would trigger, say, small bombs and so forth. I mm-hmm. call them bombs. That's not quite the right word. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway.
0: Like so, mines. Huh? Like, like landmines yeah. or things well, like right. that. that's right. Okay. You, you
1: got it. You're not an army man, but you're the mine. Yeah, this is what <laughs> I was trying to get. And this was my, this, I was seeing my first death. And this was in either June or July of uh, 1951. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was about from here to you, maybe about 10 feet, 5 feet behind him. And he made a mistake, he stepped off, and he tripped the line line. line. And I think they used to call them the Bouncing Mm Buddies. And they would go up so high, and then explode, see? And what happened was it tore the back of his head off, and the buddy behind him, he got it too, and two others were wounded. I thought, oh my, is this what it's gonna be, you know? So that was my first experience of death.
0: Wow. Yeah. Did, how many, did, just the one guy die or did two? I think
1: two of them. One wow. definitely died right there. I don't know about the second one. I think he did too, mm-hmm. but not right there. So that was a quite an experience. And, and then, then we would, uh, would kind of sit online and just hope and pray that they mm-hmm. wouldn't come because it would be two hours off and two hours on at night guarding. Mm-hmm. And we would either be guarding from a foxhole or from a bunker, mm-hmm. either one. And then at night, you could actually, almost sometimes at night, I know this happened to me, that I thought the trees were moving, if you can believe that. Mm -hmm. You kind of sit there and stare, oh my goodness, what's this, what's this? It has to be, it has to be. So sometimes you do some foolish things. so one night I threw a phosphorus grenade, and this phosphorus grenade, what that is, it lights everything up. Mm -hmm. And of course, you really get attention then, what happened? I said, I thought I saw them coming. Well, they, they, they excuse me, but yeah,
0: uh,
1: those those things happen. Mm-hmm. But in, in a situation like this, at maybe two o'clock in the morning, and and uh, you you have a lot of fear, mm-hmm. and so you do some stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, in a, like I say, in a chronological order, or, uh, repeat again the other thing is, we used to have some very heavy rains over there, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this was the same hill or this was another hill. Uh, it's hard for me to remember exactly uh, but it started to rain it just rained and rained and sure enough when I came back in my bunk after pulling guard there's my bedroll it was floating in the my water so in the ah. water so the water had ran into the bunk bunk so we just sat there chrome up like this as cool as much as we could sit or or kneel or what till next day and somehow we got it dry again but
0: how cold what's the weather like is it cold
1: uh, this was from summertime okay and but you're summer, just soaking uh, wet yeah but you your body would dry it off you know mm-hmm. but, and then just something I can remember this was f- for mostly in winter well I did it in the summertime too I told, I think I told you this I changed socks every day but mm-hmm. on my tummy I would take my socks off put them next to my belly uh huh and they would dry, and then I'd put them on again that night. How long would it
0: take for them to dry? You would leave them on as you slept?
1: Slept or walked or yeah. whatever. If I wasn't sweating, they yeah. it didn't take that long. Maybe maybe three, four. Really? Hours. Yeah. Maybe three, four, five hours. But they were drier than what you maybe had on your feet. Yeah. The main thing was that your feet had a chance to dry. Yeah. And that was the key. Because a lot of people that didn't take care of their feet, they had problems. Yeah.
0: In the winter, sometimes my boys will walk in... And bring snow into the house.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'll, I'll have my socks on and I'll step into a little puddle. Yeah. And I'll immediately change my socks. I hate the feeling yeah. of wet feet. Like, for me, that sounds miserable. Yeah. I just couldn't. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes when we're in like really intense and scary, fearful situations, there are moments of, and it seems odd to say, the joy or humor, mm-hmm. or camaraderie? Did you experience any moments of of those while you were in the midst of these situations?
1: I have about three or four of those stories, that I can't give them to you in a chronological order. And I may have mentioned this one to you that really strikes me as kind of being funny. Uh-huh. And yet it wasn't funny at all at the time was happening. Uh, you have to realize that if you're on a, what they call the mainline resistance is us guys sitting, us guys, that's bad English, but anyway, mm-hmm. we're sitting on this hill, all right, and the, the the Chinese or the North Koreans are maybe a mile in front mm-hmm. of us, maybe a half mile. You don't really know, mm-hmm. but they would send out patrols, mm-hmm. and so they sent out our whole company, which was Charlie Company, which is roughly... T- 150 to 200 men, mm-hmm. and then we went out about two or three miles ahead of us, mm-hmm. beyond what they call the line of scrimmage, and set up on a hill here in case that they would come, that we could break them up, mm-hmm. so that they wouldn't take everybody. Mm-hmm. It, it's just one of those things where they don't, they don't. If you, we only lose 50 or 100 men versus a uh, thousand, mm-hmm. see, that's their idea. So we set up out there, and our Officer in charge, I don't know he wasn't maybe the sharpest in the west uh didn't set up a perimeter on the hill, see, mm-hmm. and so that night before I said, "Sir, don't you think we should set up some men behind us? He said, "Oh no, don't worry about it. Well, about two or three o'clock in the morning, we got a hit from the rear they had evidently they don't know they didn't know where they, we, we were up there mm-hmm. and the luck was was not a large group mm-hmm. and all once they started all in size. Uh, uh, I had uh, the guy that was on guard. I was sleeping in my bunk, mm-hmm. and the guy was on guard. Came woke me up. Said, "They're all over us! They're all over us!" You know, he was scared. Mm-hmm. And of course, I got out quickly. on my my uh, uh, bag, and and sure enough, they were real close. I fired at him, and then he's throwing hand grenades. But the, the fun, the funny thing of this story was. I was hearing all that shelling going on for quite some time, Mm -hmm. not realizing that he's throwing hand grenades one night after another and not taking his head out of the bunk either. Anyway, next morning I realized, I said, what happened to all those hand grenades? Oh, he said, sir, I threw them all last night. Well, I said, that's good. No one got us anyway. (laughs) Uh, They used to come in boxes and we have our... Uh, the other South Koreans would bring that ammo up to us, mm-hmm. and they would come in case, and I think there was 48 in this case. You know, he threw 48 hands. So,
0: so he has his head down in his, was he in a bunker?
1: Uh, in in Foxhole. And kind he has of, kind his head deep.
0: down, and he's just throwing them out one right. after another, not even looking at who's out there. That's right. And you're thinking there's got to be... I, I
1: swear there was 150 guys <laughs> out on. <laughs> there. And there was no one. Not there. No. <laughs> but they, had, they had come on the opposite side, and mm-hmm. we had taken care of them. We had shooed them away. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: anyway, but he
0: kept firing. Yeah.
1: but that, that's, So to answer your question, mm-hmm. that's one of the things in battle. You, you, it's hard to get mad, and it's, it's hard to think, well, what, what else? Maybe I would have been on the same thing. Yeah. 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 Wow. And then uh, if you want to ask me some question or I'll tell you another couple of stories if you want me to.
0: Yeah, that'd be great.
1: Okay. Uh, another one was uh, you talk about getting close to one another and, uh, and realizing that you aren't there all alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we was going to go out one early one morning and take a hill, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we would do is we would, we would be behind the main line of resistance then we traveled through this, what they called the rocks, or the South Koreans, and they would let us go through so we could go out beyond and find the enemy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, when we went through this place with the enemy, they had a little wire there that would ring a little bell so it would wait, keep them alert that an enemy was coming, mm-hmm. but we're going the other way. Well, a fellow, a couple guys ahead of me made a mistake. He lost the one in front of him. So we ended up with just a few people completely separated from our group
0: mm-hmm.
1: now what do you do in no man's land
0: how many of the how many are you Just i a think few there's of maybe
1: five six seven of us and, and everyone the, else
0: is the rest, lost. the
1: rest rest were gone mm-hmm. we had no and i think there was an officer there at least he said i think i know where i am well truth was he didn't know where he was mm-hmm. and i didn't know where i was because no one had told us where we were going to go yeah well, someone spotted us there, or, or just by they, accident, they threw a few mortars at us in the valley, mm-hmm. and about uh, because we was close to a, a rice paddy, where it kind of, when the mortars go in there, they kind of, mm-hmm. up. so mm-hmm. we ended up uh, wet and stuff, but we didn't get killed. Mm-hmm. And then then uh, when days started to break, we kind of figured out where we were. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, fate, or you want to call it God being with you, God mm-hmm. protecting you. I don't know, but it was that we missed a lot of that big big battle the next day because we weren't there.
0: Because the other guys had gone ahead. Yeah, and they you weren't up. there.
1: That's right. We did do a little support from a a smaller hill. I mm-hmm. remember firing the fifty-seven a couple of times. I didn't know for sure what I was firing at, which made me kind of disappointed. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the way it goes when you you're in battle. You if you think it's a one two three thing, it's not a one two three thing. Mm-hmm. It's maybe five six backwards. You know. Mm-hmm. And if, if it never works out the way you had it in training. Yeah. So. All right.
0: We have plenty of time, so okay. take your time. Okay.
1: Uh, and then just, just to give you an experience of what a person goes through, uh, uh, this was in, in the winter time. I, I'm jumping after a big battle we had, and this was kind of at the tail end of my time up online. But it was an experience that I, I don't think I'll ever forget. Uh, they, again, they see they have a tendency, when I was over there, to get you up in the middle of the night. I don't know if that was because they figured you, you didn't know anything, or, mm-hmm. or because it was dark, we traveled by night. And they, they, they dumped us, they put us on a deuce and a half, and, and left us off by this one hill. And they said, well, your enemy's over there. Oh. No, I'm sorry. You're going to relieve that unit that's over there. Mm -hmm. Well, I assume someone knew, but I didn't know. So we all took off. We go up one small hill. Now, remember, this is kind of all snow covered Mm -hmm. with a crust like, just like it gets here. Mm -hmm. And then you have to go down the other one and then up another one. Mm -hmm. Well, the best way we figured out to go down this one hill was to get on your back and mm-hmm. put your rifle across you on your chest, and then just slide right down your back. So mm-hmm. that's what I I did there, yeah. so, or we did, I should say. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, no, I shouldn't say the next day, then, then we'd crawl up the next one, and that one was so slippery that we actually had to take our bayonet a little bit and hope that it was sticking in the snow and helps a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. Then we got up there, and we, we just plain stayed there for quite some time, just, just in case that they would come, so... Uh, that was kind of a, a dormancy for a while we were just making sure that if they decided that they wanted our territory that they couldn 't have it mm-hmm. and so then we stayed up there. that was maybe the longest I was online without a break and I think that was twenty one or twenty three days of eating sea rations and
0: uh what's a what 's a sea ration a
1: c ration how do you it, is that
0: the the, the letter c or is it no, SCA? No,
1: I I don't know for sure. I think that sea ration arrived as name during World War II, and mm-hmm. I'm not so sure why. Okay, we see uh, that's about all I know. Mm-hmm. And in the sea ration, actually, some weren't that bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them had it contained, and it was a little can, maybe about six ounces, mm-hmm. and there was either the spaghetti in there, and uh, or there might have be a meatball uh, with little wieners, or there might be. Um, uh, what they call on a shingle, uh, it's a, it looked like a, a mesh. But there was various foods anyway. I've,
0: he- I've heard varieties of people yeah. that describe yeah. that. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I just assumed yeah, that's Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But uh, you get the point.
0: Yeah, and then you'd have that, and then what else would come in it?
1: Well, then uh, the, what they tried to, uh, they would sometimes give you a couple small bars, with about and then a small pack of cigarettes with about three or four cigarettes in them, mm-hmm. and then the 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 chocolate was usually old enough where it was discolored, but it tasted pretty good anyway. Mm-hmm. So, and, and 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 what what amazed me was uh, uh, they must have had a lot of vitamins in that stuff because we yeah. survived quite well on that, mm-hmm. and uh, and so that, then you you chew around on that for for twenty one days, and what you did was the biggest thing was. Uh, the weather. Uh, secondly, was the fear when you're going to sleep at night: Is this the night they're going to hit us? And I think thirdly, uh, 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 what what is tomorrow going to bring? Is this is this going to be it, or mm-hmm. or uh, is this going to be a day where they say, "Hey, it's all over mm-hmm, with." Mm-hmm. So that's that's the thing.
0: So every night you go to bed not knowing. No. Anything? No. Were you writing letters to Jeanette?
1: Uh, Jeanette was so faithful. Yeah. Uh, the trouble is, and I forgot one big story, so I can yeah, go back. You go let me go back. Yeah, go ahead. You? Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that when our little girl was born, because in those days, communication was horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it was about two weeks later, I got some type of a little. Message here. I don't know if I even have it yet. Maybe in some way there, uh, a package arrived safely. I think it was. So I knew something had happened, and I knew that okay, the, so baby, the baby was born. It
0: said the package has arrived safely. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so.
0: Ah, uh, and you're, you're yeah. like you're thinking my first kid is born, and here I am. Yeah. Uh, ah. Yeah. I can't and imagine. Then, uh,
1: finally i I started got mail from her again. Mm-hmm. You realize that when you're moving, if you're stationary, let's say you're in reserve, then it's pretty good. yeah, mm-hmm. it only takes them two weeks and then they you get a letter. But if you're up front, there. hey, I don't blame them for not bringing me mail mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. sure, yeah, but then or else you get a big stack of mail, yeah, uh, and then finally, I found out what it's all about, which was wonderful. Everything worked out fine and. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you and, keep the letters?
1: You know, or, that's one of the things is, I don't know what happened to uh-huh. most of them. That's that's one of the shame things. If I had to do it over again, I would have figured out something. But remember, how how do you keep some when you're moving? Yeah, yeah. And and you
0: I'm trying to stay alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And you you well sometimes I'd stick some stuff in my pocket and the next day I realized it was all wet anyway mm-hmm. so. Uh, yeah, some, some guys did a good job, but I just say that either they were smarter than I or they weren't in the same circumstances mm-hmm. as I was or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, uh, and and we were asked not to, I know a lot of them did, we were asked not to keep a log mm-hmm. uh, because if you were killed or, or, or captured, they could take that log book mm-hmm. and say, oh, this is where they are. This is what they're mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I adhered to that. Mm-hmm. And, and Janetta and I had a, a code too mm-hmm. that if I wanted to tell her where I was, we would we had about, uh, about four or five sentences, I mean uh, yeah, sentences, and some it'd be either the second or third letter on each on each line would tell me tell her where I was. Really, yeah.
0: did you think that up? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I, brilliant.
1: I, I, I did that. I did that before I left. Yeah. I said if if if, I I can't remember the code I had to start with. That she knew that that paragraph was going to be a code in there. Uh huh. Yeah. So, but the trouble. Did, did she keep
0: letters on her end that you sent her?
1: She did for a while. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think she still maybe has one or two yet. Yeah. yeah. But. Wow. Uh, anyway. That was one of the things that I I I don't know why I forgot because it was one of the big, what should I say? One of the big things of my life.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So, and uh, then
1: then, uh, wh- where are we at? Uh, would you, you want to ask me some more questions, or you want me to follow through now, or, I, uh, or how see, long do let, we want let, this thing? Or
0: let's um. Can we talk a little bit about you? Had showed me your your silver star. Yeah. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah,
1: I I, I will try and okay. And I've been doing pretty good. I haven't been crying. Yeah. Well,
0: and that's okay. So, why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, it's a. Yeah.
1: So I I hope I don't cry. And yeah. If I cry, why? Uh, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, maybe can do quite well. Uh, mm-hmm. I think so, but I don't think about it like. Uh, if, I, if I throw my emotionals away, um, emotional emotions away. Um, uh, this again uh, it was typical. Uh, you get woke up about two o'clock in the morning, and uh, sometimes I, I look at myself, I say, say hey, were, were you out left field Did, what didn't you think or why mm. didn't you know where you were?" And then I get thinking, didn't they tell me didn't I pay attention?" But mm-hmm. anyway, I didn't always know. Most of the time, I didn't know. Uh, at that particular time, I was not a platoon sergeant. I was, at this time, when the, when uh, I was awarded that Silver Star, I, I was a squad leader, mm-hmm. okay? And uh, what a squad leader means is that, it depends upon whether you're a rifleman squad leader or, in my particular case, a 57-recoil rifle squad leader, it meant that you were supposed to have a, a gunner, assistant gunner, well, a squad leader, a gunner, assistant gunner, and then two or three ammo bears. My ammo bears were South Koreans, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, of course, the, 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 the uh, gunner and assistant gunners were just other soldiers that were with me. Mm-hmm. But going back to when when we were, uh, we were told to leave, we got up early in the morning and I don't remember whether they gave us breakfast or not. I have to assume they gave us a little something. To eat. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we took off, and the first thing we knew after we'd walked for maybe an hour, I suppose, we ran into this little r- r- creek or this little river. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh my goodness, I I'm no sm- much of a swimmer with my backpack on. What do we do now? Well, I found out it was only about up to my chest, mm-hmm. so we could carry the weapon up there. So. Mm-hmm. But it's October now, it's getting pretty chilly. Mm-hmm. And luck would have it, why it was a cloudy day. Mm-hmm. Or foggy, I'm sorry, it was foggy. So we really didn't know much about what was going on. And what they had planned on was uh, the, uh, the tanks were supposed to come. And what the tanks do is they fire and they soften it up for you. What I mean by soften it up is if there's some enemies up there, they fire right into the hill and hope they hit some bunkers or, and scare them so they take off so that, that possibly we have better chance of surviving. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had to wait for them in the bank over there, cold and chilly. And all once they came and they, they blew the hill kind of for a little bit. And so then they said t- take off. Okay. So what, what happened is the, the riflemen and the machine gunners and the BAR, they go forward. And being I was a fifty seven I would follow them. in fact, is that what when we got up there a little bit, they said, "You guys stay here if we need you, we'll mm-hmm. contact you mm-hmm. all right. The mortars supported us from a little hill over here, mm-hmm. and they really never got into the nitty gritty like we did well can you,
0: can you remind me what a fifty seven is yes, uh it, uh, is that a
1: rifle? The fifty-seven requires rifle. I don't think is used at all anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a... If you... Most of you have seen pictures now on, on the war in Iraq or something. You'll see these guys with something on their shoulder that looks like a bazooka. Mm-hmm. It's maybe a weapon about that long.
0: So like four feet long? Maybe. Four or five yeah. feet long, yeah.
1: This was here. was a, It was a, maybe... And I'd say it was from 30 to 40 pounds or more. You mm-hmm. carry it on your shoulder... A very accurate, but very cumbersome. Mm-hmm. And what you you had to fire it. This was a tough thing, and it wasn't like a a rifle where you sit down and fire through uh, branches or through leaves. Mm-hmm. If you did that, the the the, the shell would explode. And, right. You see? Yeah. So you had to you had to always have a clearing where you could fire from. And this 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 weapon that you asked me about was maybe oh I'm saying now. Oh, three, four feet long, mm-hmm. you put it on your shoulder, you open up the back end, what we call a breech block, mm-hmm. and you put in a shell about, I'd say 12, 15 inches long, and this again had a the had powder in the back, mm-hmm. a warhead in front, and you you were supposed to have the gunner would be ready to fire, the assistant gunner would open the breech block, grab a shell, mm-hmm. and put it in there, mm-hmm. all right? And and then and going back to my story, what had happened that day was uh, realizing that if it was just a weapon that you could lay down with and fire, like let's say you were fox hunting or something. Mm-hmm. But we couldn't do that; we had to stand up.
0: So were you exposed when yes, you would shoot it? Yeah,
1: yes, and so when we, I don't know just what time of the day it was, but they called fifty-seven forward, and. Uh, and uh, the first time it was not my turn. The other fellow went up there, and luck was there wasn't anything. So he turned around, and came back. The next time was my turn, and so that was later on in the afternoon. They said fifty-seven forward. So I went up there with these guys, and uh, staying very low. Now remember, mm-hmm. there was there was there was people shooting up there.
0: Okay, and down down the hill at you guys.
1: That's the hill that I'm going up now. Okay, and this is the this was a subordinate. We were behind the rifleman's stuff, okay. okay? So we get up there, and, of course, I said, what's the matter? Well, there's a machine gun nest there. We're all pinned down, so you have to hit that if you can. I said, oh, my goodness. So I, I was looking for my gunner. I can't find him. I'm not looking like you would for looking for a little boy. Mm-hmm. Now you're low, and you're looking around. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go running around because somebody will shoot you. So I can't find him. Well, I realized, or someone told me, he ran down the hill away from it. Well, he said, where's my assistant gunner? I can't find him either. I don't know. So it was up to me to take over the weapon. So what do I do now? I cannot do it alone. I mm-hmm. cannot possibly sit and load a weapon. And uh, so the these two Korean guys, they knew must've known enough English. Mm-hmm. So they got, their, they got their shells for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I loaded it, was sitting down. Mm-hmm. I put I put the weapon across my lap. And I reached back and opened the place block, because I didn't want them to do that, because I didn't know them. I didn't want that shell to explode. Mm-hmm. And I would put it in there. And I'd hover the guys. Okay, open up. So then they'd open up with their machine guns, mm-hmm. hoping to cover the guys that were trying to fire and hit us. Mm-hmm. So then I would stand up, and I'd fire. Then sit down. I did that about three or four times. Until we silenced the guys, there was no firing anymore. Mm-hmm. So I must have got them or something. Yeah. And then after that, why right, now what? Well, what are we going to do? Well, it it was a very how should I say that? Um, there was there was no very little or no direction at all. Mm-hmm. And I was determined that we was going to get him. Mm-hmm. So I dragged that 57 along with my two Korean buddies, mm-hmm. up the side of the hill there and I said let's try it again. So I fired fire again and I tried a couple of times there until I must have hit a little twig or something and they exploded right very close. Of. I said that's it. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to fire anymore. If those guys can, they're tough. Yep. Well, uh, there was such low direction I remember an officer coming to me and say, what would you do? And all I told him was, I'd stay as close to the ground as you can. That's all I could tell him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So make a long story short, they decided to pull back. So we pulled back to the same place that I was originally firing from, mm-hmm. maybe 50 yards, 100 yards back. I don't know the exact distance. We set up a little perimeter around there. Now remember, <clears throat> at least you would think so, that our people knew that we were still up there. Mm-hmm. And all at once, of course, it gets dark now. And that's when the scary thing sets in. Well, mm-hmm. it's dark, right? Mm-hmm. Where are they? Are they coming? And all mm-hmm. once, we got, we got shelled. Just, I never, I don't know why we're here, but the, the shells started to come in. You know, the, the mortars?
0: Mm-hmm. And from, from North Korea side
1: or from no, the American side? Well, it took me a while to realize it was our own stuff. Oh, no. Yeah, we were being shelled by our own people. Uh, and it took me a while. I thought, my goodness, they're coming in from behind it because I could hear them coming. Mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. They're like just like this the way I visualize. Ooh, mm-hmm. That's right. And so you go down. They stay, almost stayed right there whole. You know, I thought, what then if one hits here? It's just a matter of a few feet. Yeah. And sure enough, my buddy right next to me, standing shoulder to shoulder, <sighs> mm. all he did was said, "Medics," and he said, "Cal, help me." He said, "I can't." You know, well, mm-hmm. somehow they realized. I don't know if somebody got the message back there. Said, "Hey, you're shooting at us, not the enemy." Well, finally, they, they quit. So we got off the hill, but back down. And then, in the meantime, they they had called in support. Uh, so the next morning, B Company came in and take over took over. Uh, and then <clears throat> they asked if anybody would be willing to. Uh, bring ammo back up, so I, I volunteered the next morning to go back up again. So that's wow. kind of my story. Yeah. Uh, uh, some things I forgot, some mm-hmm. things I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that's kind of my story.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's what I was worth a silver star.
0: So. At, at the time, did you think, you know, this is a, a real heroic thing I'm doing, or did was it just a blur?
1: No, I I guess I didn't before, or after I mm-hmm. ever thought that it wasn't something I, I was willing to do, because mm-hmm. uh, I always felt that that was my duty. Mm-hmm. If 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 you didn't wanna give it your all, mm-hmm. forget it.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you ever find out what happened to the gunmen that were supposed to go with you? You know, that's one of my
1: sore spots in my life. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, I wish I would have followed through mm-hmm. because uh, I still say that, that uh, with them and God's help, uh, I would have never made it. Yeah. And uh, and I think they felt the same way about them being saved by me. Mm-hmm. See? Mm-hmm. And we never talked about it.
0: And and, you didn't know the same language.
1: No, I, right. well, that's, that's another story. I'm okay. talking about the GIs.
0: Oh, right. Yes. Okay. Because there
1: was a quite few GIs that were pinned down. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I, I don't know who who they were. I didn't get their names and, and they were in a different, uh, squad or a different company. No, they're the same company, but just, just, and that's one of my things. I wish I would have followed through mm-hmm. on, but I did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe it's better that way. Uh, hmm uh, those are memories. Mm-hmm. And, uh, memories, uh, good and bad. Uh, the good thing about it is that we survived. hmm And, uh, it certainly was a time of my life that, that, uh, I never thought I'd make it. Mm-hmm. So, and then, uh, I, I, I guess, I guess, uh, I I would hate to see anyone else having to go through it, but sometimes we in America don't realize what we have. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I think that uh, we're so complacent, or in today's political world, if some of those people that are are so Great and and gorgeous, uh, would have the same experience as some of us have. Mm-hmm. I think they'd look at America much different. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we we all can't be a combat veteran, mm-hmm. but you can have a sympathy for some of us that did have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and I don't want to. I don't. I don't want sympathy. I just want our people that are running us to have a, a tremendous respect for our flag mm-hmm. and 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 for this country. And yeah. and I, I can tell you one more story mm-hmm. and uh and this is the reason why I know God's been with me. Um and this this was actually uh kind of a after the fact story. Um soon after this incident I had there in the fall of the year and then we went into the winter months uh, they said, well, we're going to get pulled off a of line. We're going down to Kojido Island and guard prisoners of war. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds good. So we went down there. We went down by ship. We went, uh, sailed out of uh, Inshan, went down the southern tip of Korea to a little island called Kojido. It was the first experience on this small ship where they dropped the a plank and you'd walk on shore. Mm-hmm. But anyway, after we got there... Uh, why we're setting up our tent, and you think, okay, I'm safe. I'm going to see my wife. I'm going to see my mm-hmm. girl again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see my mom and dad.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh my goodness! Here all once the uh, the machine gun tracers. If you know what tracers are,
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay, they're they're uh, they're they're an indication of the machine gunner, so they know where they're firing. All once they started to come right over our head, I thought, oh my goodness, what's going on? Well evidently uh our guards, which was the South Koreans, got mad at the North Koreans. I suppose they were blabbing back and forth, and they just opened up with their automatic weapon like that. The only thing they had it kind of high we we're kinda on a on a higher they're down here, and we are up here, and they shot right over us so anyway, we got saved and uh, so we finished putting put up our tent, and that was that was that was good duty that was the best duty I had overseas mm-hmm. yeah. We just guard prisoners of the war about every other night mm-hmm. and uh, made sure that they didn't do anything or escape. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was a good duty. But I thought I thought this incident of, uh, of could have got killed there rather than when we were out fighting. You yeah,
0: know? you thought, you kind of let your guard down, thinking... Yeah.
1: Oh, yes, yeah. definitely. So, because there wasn't supposed to be anybody down there that was mad at you anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah.
0: When did you leave Korea?
1: Uh, approximately a year after I got there, which was in the spring of 52.
0: And was it 15 days home again on a approximately ship?
1: Approximately 15 days home. I spent a little time. I, I have, I have a miscalculation. I think that they flew us out of Korea, if I remember, someplace. And we run it back in Yokohama again. Mm-hmm. And there they do a reprocessing, make sure you got everything. Then they got us on a ship. It was a smaller ship, but but the same the same situation. It took us about the same amount of time, mm-hmm. either fourteen or fifteen days, mm-hmm. and we we sailed back into Seattle again.
0: How did you feel on <coughs> that on that trip back?
1: Huh, I felt like a new man. <laughs> oh boy, everything's fine now. New life, new life. I didn't care if it took me a few extra days. You yeah, know. sure, I wanted to get home, but yep. I was in no hurry or no way. But. Then I had a tremendous I shouldn't say tremendous. I had a quite a experience coming home. After we got home, I'm sorry, after we got down to Seattle, they again reprocessed and they threw us on a I shouldn't say threw us on a we went on a troop train. Mm-hmm. It wasn't flying us home. Mm-hmm. Troop train and and uh and I was the highest ranking noncom. I wasn't that high, I was a sergeant first class, which was next to master. But anyway, uh uh, they said, "Well, Kel, you're in charge of this troop train." I said, "I am." Oh my goodness! I saw all those crazy guys. The-
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they're all on their way back. And all the way back. And you're oh, in charge of them.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they were all, I suppose, felt like I did. Oh my goodness! I'm free. Uh-huh. You know. We gets on the we gets on the on the train, and uh, actually it was kind of neat. But anyway, the first thing was I think it was Idaho. They must have stopped. <coughs> Excuse me for just a sh- short time. Bunch of them jumped out of that train, and they came back with the cases of beer. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. And of course, you know what happened after yeah. that.
0: And you're in charge of them.
1: I'm in charge. Of them. <laughs> so what do so you do? You become
0: a babysitter.
1: <laughs> I said, well, I tell you what, I'm not going to get involved. You want a beer? That's that's your business. I mm-hmm. I can. I'm not. what are we going to do a court martial? Yeah. You know. Be uh-huh. <laughs> alone. Yeah. So we had a quite a trip on the way home. We get to we get to uh, 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 Minneapolis coming in from the west side, and that was a year when uh, there must have been a lot of rain, a lot of snow, mm-hmm. and uh, they had to actually uh, they didn't know if the tracks were all right, so they physically got out, walked ahead,
0: mm-hmm. trained
1: there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then we had an exchange uh, in the downtown Minneapolis where we took on another train to go to Sparta, Wisconsin. Uh, where where Camp McCoy where we had a load Mm -hmm. and some of the guys got involved with uh, uh, other people like young women and they they forgot to get back on the train so we got to Camp McCoy and we were missing about three guys and they said when I got there they said well don't worry about it that's that's that they have to know that yeah Yeah. they were fooling around Mm -hmm. so we got back there and then make a long story short uh, then we took a Bunch of us guys grabbed a, uh After we got processed again, we grabbed a cab to La Crosse, and then from no. We somehow got to La Crosse, Wisconsin, and then mm-hmm. from La Crosse to Winona, mm-hmm. we we took a cab, and then uh, that's where I met my wife, and she picked me up down there with her.
0: How what was that like when oh. you when you saw her and your baby?
1: Uh she had left the baby at home. Okay, but. The, The thing about it was when I got home, picking up that little girl, and she took to me, oh, oh, hi. The next morning, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't believe this, Uh, Jeanette had been feeding her bright fish, you know, Mm -hmm. and she would feed, see? Uh She saw me eating. She didn't want her to feed her anymore.
0: She wanted you to feed her.
1: No, she wanted to feed herself. Oh, really? And so it happened that we had... A fresh egg, I wanted eggs, oh, I was missing eggs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know why eggs, but it was, and uh she took the eggs and she put it on the high chair, and she took those eggs and ate them by hand, and she was eggs from her eyes to her chin, <laughs> <laughs> to, so that was a quite an experience to see her do that, yeah, but it was just as if just as if she knew me and i I, I still can't figure it out mm-hmm. to this day whether uh what, what, what would that be? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's something that's a mystery of life, isn't it?
0: It's beautiful.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so, you didn't know, when did you find out you were, were gonna receive a Silver Star? Did that come later on, or how did that, how did that come about?
1: You know, I can remember this much. When we got pulled off, not pulled off, when we came down line we were sitting in, in in Corps Reserve, I remember a sheet coming through and I assume it was our officer, and on my one of my names there was, was gonna be a brown gonna give me a brown star. Mm-hmm. And I took it in my pen, I drew my line through it, because mm-hmm. I, I didn't think I deserved it. Mm-hmm. Never thought a thing about it. Mm-hmm. Until sometime later, I don't know if they told me about it. All once, I, they said, you know, you've been awarded So No, I said I didn't. Fact is, I was never awarded it officially. Mm-hmm. It was only on my separation papers that mm-hmm. I had it, see? Okay. That was kind of disappointing. Yeah. Uh, I never did receive it officially. Uh, so, my, so
0: someone must have told them Well, about what happened.
1: Here. This is this here, maybe.
0: Okay, so this is someone yeah. who wrote.
1: Yeah, you, if you want to read it aloud, go yeah. ahead.
0: Yeah, this is written by Sergeant B.R. Ellis,
1: yeah.
0: a buddy of Sergeant Calvin Buck. Yeah. <laughs> so it says this Dear sir, what I'm about to write is for those of your community to read. It is an eyewitness account of heroism shown by one of your local boys on the battlefront in Korea. Uh, this show of her- heroism won for SFC Calvin Buck, J- Calvin M.J. Buck, the Silver Star of Valor, and I believe, although mentioned in the newspaper, that the true story would never be told if I didn't tell it. Cal Buck, because of his modesty, will probably curse me in his, cry- in his dying day for writing this letter to you. I am the person that wrote up the account, which won SFC Buck his award, which I might add was done against his wishes. At the time of the following action, Calvin Buck was a corporal and squad leader of a recoilless rifle of fifty uh, a fifty-seven squad. Date October seventeenth, nineteen fifty-one. During the attack, during the attack on evening held Hill four four three in the Kumlong Valley area of Central Korea. Corporal Buck, having lost his gunman, took over the job of firing it himself. On several occasions when the riflemen were pinned down by enemy fire, Corporal Buck fired his 57 RR into the enemy positions, destroying them and allowing the attack to go forward. On one occasion, when the attack was held up by an enemy machine gun and the forward elements were hopelessly planned, pinned down, Corporal Buck made his way out in the front of the riflemen and with utter disregard for his own safety, stood up in plain sight and with bullets striking all around him, loaded and fired his fifty-seven over and over until the enemy position was destroyed. This allowed the attack to continue into successful capture of the hill. Such heroism as Calvin M.J. Buck showed should not go unapplauded in my estimation." Sincerely, Sergeant B. R. Ellis, a buddy of Calvin Buck. Yeah, that's that's just amazing. When you showed this to me um, a few months ago, I, I've never read anything like that, or have known someone who has had, you know, that kind of experience. And uh,
1: just talked to him the other day.
0: How was he doing?
1: He's doing fine. Yeah, yeah. He's a year younger. Yeah, right to the day. Mm-hmm. Was, he's a, he was eighty seven in February, and I was eighty eight in February. Mm-hmm. And uh, he lost his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I think that he has a couple of sons that live close to him. Neither one of them married, so they kind of take care of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's mm-hmm. that's about it. I I think he had a, maybe he had four children. Maybe he had two daughters too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did, we did go out to visit them, uh, oh, about four, well six, seven years ago, Jeanette and I went out and visited some of my old Army buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, one I can't get a hold of anymore, a uh, guy by the name of Jerry Barnick, Bar- Bill Barnacle. Mm-hmm. no, Jerry, but well, anyway. And so, yeah, we keep in contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still got a few more I keep in contact with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, was there anything else? Or you um, summarize it up a little bit? I think,
0: I think you hit on pretty much everything. Maybe I'll, Here's what I want you to do. I'll give you the last word. Okay. A lot of teenagers and younger people listen uh, to the podcast. Huh. What would you want to say to them?
1: Uh, I, I guess... Uh, when, when I was over there, I did not realize that there was someone taking care of me. Uh, I, I had a lot of faith at that time, but not as much as I do now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so uh, sometimes when you think he's not there, he really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you say a prayer and it's not answered, at least you don't think it is, but somehow, somewhere, that prayer is answered. Mm-hmm. Uh, so each, each one of us has to take that time uh, to look at ourselves. Uh, life is very, very short. We're going to spend a lot of time in eternity. Mm-hmm. And if we can just take a little time and spend it with our Maker... Uh, this is this is maybe the most important thing I can. We have thirteen grandchildren and twenty-two great-grandchildren, and it is the object of my wife and I to see them again. And mm-hmm. uh, the only way that we will see them again, if they know their Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. Just just think if you find the right girl you guys or you, you girls find the right guy you you can live in in harmony with someone that you can trust you you just you just can't go out and 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 fool around and think that everything is a okay it's not hmm. so my my suggestion to you is is first have a true relationship with your maker uh I wish I would have started sooner. Hmm. I, I knew God, but I didn't know him like I should have. And, uh, and and I'm sure that you people realize that, uh, and you think, oh, he's a little funny old guy. Well, maybe I am a funny old guy, but I was a kind of a funny young guy too once. <laughs> so, but the main thing is to know your maker. Mm-hmm. And, and, and And that gives you peace. I, I, I have so much more peace just knowing him. Mm-hmm. It's something that I don't think if you don't know him, uh, no one can understand. But and, and all I can say to you is that God be with you, and God bless you, and, and, and make him your first choice.
0: Hmm. Thanks, Cal.
1: Yeah. I appreciate this. Yeah.